Hello and welcome to the second installment of Jake's World. Jake's World, episode two. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski. And this is being recorded from my very lonely apartment in Madison, Wisconsin. And let me just tell you, I'm still very, very bored. But there is hope. Tonight, The Last Dance, 30 for 30 docuseries on the Chicago Bulls of the 1990s. Very, very excited. Anyways, if you made it through that first episode, which I'm like 95% certain was an absolute train wreck, thank you very much. It's a work in progress, working towards it, and we're going to just shoot from the hip until we figure it out. Anywho, there's a few things I'm going to talk about on today's show. First and foremost, Shaquille O'Neal made headlines on Twitter and probably the rest of the sports world since there's not much going on otherwise about how a team of all-time Lakers would beat a team of the all-time Bulls. I'm going to get into that and dissect that. But before we get into the sports section of this show, I've got a little problem of my own going on right now. Now, when I say problem, it's not really a problem. It's just a bunch of nonsense that I, you know, made. It's a a thing I made worse for myself. But it's kind of funny, and I'm going to go into it. So so a few months ago, to help pay off those nasty student loans that everyone gets, they suck, by the way. So if you're still in school, get ready. They're coming, just like winter. Anyways, In order to help pay off those student loans, I decided to get a part-time job at the valet office at a hospital down the street. And, I mean, it's like 10, 15 hours a week. And then when corona hit, it was a little more than that. But whatever, it doesn't matter. I signed up to do, like, a weekend thing at the cash office. So, I get paid, right? It's like your typical employment thing. You sign up for your I-9, you get all that pre-employment stuff, whatever. And this is where my issue comes in. I am declaring war on Skylight Financial. What's Skylight Financial? Well, I had no idea. I mean, I was getting paychecks once I started the hospital regularly. So I was like, ah, direct deposit. What's the big deal, right? Well, that was the dumbest mistake I ever made. So listen to this. This is a company that instead of just sending you the paycheck, like you know a normal company does, they set you up with a pay card. They mail you a debit card that your direct deposit goes into that account, and then you just do whatever you want from the pay card, whether it be Venmo or you know you just use that as a like a swipe card, whatever. I didn't know that. I didn't do the direct deposit paperwork. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Moral of the story is I messed up. This is all my fault, but I'm still not happy about it. Because, of course, they already sent the card. And I threw it out on accident. And I've been trying to get a hold of them to get another card. I can't do it online because I never made an account. Because you have to enter a card number, which I mistakenly throughout or never got I'm not even sure what I probably thought it was just junk mail but that's besides the point it's a financial institution and with coronavirus going around is anyone picking up the customer service line I don't know I don't know at all 
It's really irritating because it's like, you owe me a paycheck and I'd like to get that. And I've spent like three hours this week on the hold line. Oh, we're sorry. We're receiving high call volumes due to the recent coronavirus problem. Well, no shit. No shit. Then you have a stimulus check being sent out by the government. And then they have a pre-made little message for you saying, don't call if it's about that. Well, what about all the other people that are calling? You don't think like this pay card thing hasn't been an issue? Like, I know I could have just avoided it by doing my direct deposit paperwork, but like, oh my God, come on, someone pick up the phone, you know? My fault, avoidable, but very irritating. Now, here's the real kicker. I fixed the direct deposit thing on my company website. I got paid for the last check, but not the check before. So it's like I'm missing one check in the middle of the month and now everything's normal it's just really irritating because i had to go back and forth on the phone with that so if any of you guys got any advice or know how to reach skylight financial by all means let me know but skylight financial you're dead to me and you do not have my endorsement item number two this show is going to be really really streaming themed for a while until at least all this blows over because if I haven't been working you know in the mornings I worked like six to noon for a little while more to come on that as well later during the week I'll give the full background story on a different episode but after that I don't really have much to do I kind of just sit around in my my little box and wither away ah just kidding but been streaming a lot a lot a lot of tv i've got all the streaming services i've got netflix hulu and hbo i did watch peaky blinders all five seasons in about a week it's really fucking good and i cannot wait for season six but i mean i've got extensive watch lists on all of those i'm just kind of chiseling away at that just started the wire the other day it's pretty good so far If you do have HBO and you haven't watched Game of Thrones or The Sopranos, you need to stop what you're doing right now and finish that like in one sitting. You just have to. They're the two best shows ever made. Um, Yeah, aside from that, it's going to be a lot of, you know, TV content, film content going forward. So if you're not into that, well, I apologize. You can listen to me bitch about my life. So, I mean... Until things start happening again, sports come back on and can go out and go places. I mean, that's pretty much what it's going to be about. So, like I said, we're all in this together. We're just going to have to, you know, tough it out together. And besides, this is Jake's world. It's my world, not your world. And that's that. I also wanted to devote an episode of this show dedicated to... uh, Tiger King and the absurdity that was behind that but um just thinking about it I mean a little late to the show and I mean that whole content has all that's run its course and that last episode was really disappointing so I mean I'm not going to dedicate a whole lot of time to talking about that but I just want to say, oh my God, that is the most absurd thing I've ever seen. Like, I've never 
It's like Trailer Park Boys, honestly, except real, like in times 10. I've never seen a more absurd group people on a screen, <clears throat> a more absurd story on screen. Just never. I have never, ever, ever seen anything quite like that. And that's the first takeaway. The second takeaway is Carol Baskins absolutely, absolutely killed her husband. You can't tell me that didn't happen either. The third thing, they only talked about him for a little bit, but that Mario guy, the drug kingpin in Miami, is probably the most normal person on the show. I mean, at least he's honest. He only dealt, he only got involved in the tiger trade to, no, no, it's the other way around. He only got involved in the drug trade to support his tiger habit. A little crazy, but, you know, at least he was honest. And then the Doc Antle cult. Oh, my God. And it's kind of weird because, like, he didn't seem to take as much flack from this. I mean, he wasn't threatening to kill people. And Carol Baskins, I'm going to put your head in a fucking jar. That shit, that wasn't happening with Doc Antle. But, I mean, he is pretty much running a cult in the middle of South Carolina. And the scene with him riding an elephant was hilarious, too. It's just, like... This is in America, and there is a deranged cult leader in the middle of the Deep South riding an elephant in a river on a preserve somewhere. The <laughs> the James Garrettson guy, uh, the FBI informant, him on the jet ski, too, at the end was pretty fucking funny. But I just wanted to keep that kind of high level. I mean, the most absurd thing I've ever seen. And honestly, it was pretty funny the first week, like all the meme pages and all the content, everybody ever talking about it. But I'm kind of getting sick of it. It's like, dude, they're all scumbags on the show. Like, Joe Joe Exotic is the king of content. I mean, he's been doing that for 25, how many, whatever, years. But I mean, I'm just kind of over it. Like, all the free Joe shit, like, the guy's a dirtbag and a liar euthanizing tigers and you know it's a big narrative for him I guess that's what I got out of it and honestly it's just like it was really entertaining for a week or two but it's like I don't want this to be assimilated into our culture because I don't want Joe Exotic free I don't want Jeff Lowe running zoos and I don't want Carol Baskins running zoo I, I it's just whatever I'm kind of over it but just want to talk about it. It was entertaining for, you know, the two days I watched it. The most absurd story I've ever seen on Netflix or pretty much anywhere. And if you haven't watched it, you need to give it a shot. And it does bring up a really important question of, you know, like the big cat trade and them being in captivity. Like it's definitely wrong. But I see the other side, too, is where are they going to go? So, gets you thinking a little bit. Makes you scratch your head a lot. But if you haven't watched Tiger King, do that. Oh, and I lied. By the way, the most absurd thing from that show isn't the fact that these three, four people got involved in one way or another in a gigantic 
Tiger War and PETA and animal rights. That's not even the craziest thing. The craziest thing is that Joe Exotic ran for public office and actually received votes as a candidate for the governor of Oklahoma. That is the craziest thing to me. You just got to see it for yourself. So if you haven't watched it yet, spend a few hours. It's like eight episodes, so you're looking at like six to eight hours. Just if you got time, watch it in all one sitting. I mean, that might be too much. That's what I did, and I feel like that's why my brain is fried, but you got to give it a shot. So now on to the main topic of today's show. Um, The Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers of the NBA, and the Chicago Bulls teams facing off in their primes. Well, a few days ago, Shaquille O'Neal made incredulous comments about how he believes that the early 2000s Los Angeles Lakers would easily, handily beat the mid-90s Chicago Bulls team. And let me just start off by saying that that is not the case. Now, I'm not going to insult Shaq and say that he's absolutely wrong in the fact that, you know, it wouldn't be close. I'm not going to disrespect the greatness of him and Kobe Bryant and, you know, the rest of that 3 P team from 2000 to 2002 or whatever the years were. But um, it wouldn't be a clean sweep for the Bulls either, but I don't, th- I don't see how you could objectively look at it without a bias and say that that Lakers squad would beat the Bulls squads. Um, now, I'm not going to get into stats or anything like that, you know, too deep here, but just think about it. The core of those Bulls teams being Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, and then for the second three-peat, Dennis Rodman, won six titles in eight years. And I'm thoroughly convinced that they would have won eight in a row had Michael Jordan not retired from the league and pursued baseball. Reason for that, whatever. Some believe he did it to avenge the murder of his father, and that's what my dad always wanted me to do. Whatever. Some believe that he was caught betting on himself and the Bulls in the league, and David Stern gave him the boot, said retire, ratings went down, they asked him to come back. Whatever story you believe there doesn't matter. I am thoroughly convinced, 100% convinced, that Michael Jordan and the Bulls would have won eight straight titles. The Rockets wouldn't have won those two. That's not how it happened, so it is what it is. Now, Kobe and Shaq were dominant, too. Now, they rolled through their competition as well. I'm trying not to get into, you know, the whole era thing. Sometimes, you know, especially now with the LeBron-MJ debate, which it all depends how you define the word great, in my opinion. That's not what I'm trying to get into. I'm just trying to look at the matchups that you know you could put on the floor and go from there because at least with Shaq not so much Kobe Shaq you can actually contextualize and put him in place because he played when those guys played Shaq in my opinion 
and it's a factual opinion if yeah it's pretty much true Shaq for his position is the most dominant player of all time I mean what is he seven one seven two three forty maybe even more I'm not even sure I could look it up but I'm not gonna he bullied everyone out there and then when he was in Orlando he was a little slimmer too younger more athletic there I mean Wilt Chamberlain was the most dominant player before but I mean that was in the 60s and the 70s and I mean Eric comparing isn't the best way to handle it or best way to go about any argument just because the way basketball was played back then was totally different but that's undeniable but I think Shaq takes the cake on that and Jordan wasn't huge. I mean, he was only, he played two guard. I mean, 6'6". I mean, he played, he dunked on guys that are six inches taller than him. Still insanely competitive and athletic, but I think you got to give that award to Shaq. Something you do need to look at, though, is that first three, or the first of the second three-peat. So what would that have been? 95-96, the 72-win team that the Bulls assembled. Steve Kerr on that one, the irony of that. But um, Shaquille O'Neal was playing with the Orlando Magic at the time. And that Bulls team rolled them, rolled that team. And it's not that Shaq played poorly. I mean, it doesn't matter where you put Shaq on what team. He's going to get his. I mean, you can, he's just too big and athletic, too, for that size. I mean, in that series, I think I read that he averaged like 27 points, eight rebounds a game with Dennis Rodman playing defense on him. No slouch of a defender either. He's one of the best defenders of all time, especially at the forward position. He's still going to get his, but... Look at the rest of that Lakers team. I don't care what you say about Kobe. MJ's better. Where do you think Kobe got that instinct, that mindset from? That's Michael. That's how he played. It's the same way. And, I mean, both guys are still going to get theirs. But MJ's winning that matchup in the two-guard spot head-to-head. From the time that... Or from the information I found, I compiled the 95-96 starting roster and compared it to the 2000-2001 roster for the Lakers and Bulls. Funny that Ron Harper was on both of those teams, so but that's besides the point. Anyways, if you go up the matchup during the playoffs, 95-96, you're starting five with Steve Kerr, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, and Tony Kukoc. The Lakers, you've got Derek Fisher, Kobe Bryant, Ron Harper, Horace Grant, and Shaquille O'Neal. At that time, Horace Grant was at the end of the line because he was on the Bulls during the first three-peat they had. Shaq was incredibly dominant. Kobe was just entering his prime, and Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen were both well into theirs. You're telling me that that's an easy win? The only easy win win at the respective position is Shaquille O'Neal. 
I mean, Tony Kukoc got bullied in the 92 Olympics by by Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. They argued over who they wanted to have guard him. Like, they were competing for that. He scored zero points in their Olympic game. Like, they take turns. They took turns, like, bullying the guy. That's just how their minds worked. I mean, I'm not saying that wouldn't, you know, it's not going to be a sweep either way. So, I mean, I think the Bulls would win in six or seven. I mean, and everyone's so, you know, they dismiss, oh, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen played against a bunch of bum teams. If you say that, you don't know anything about basketball. It's all relative. I mean, everyone's more athletic across the board now than they were 20 years ago. Of course, the teams are going to get better, but, I mean, it's relative. This is probably as close as a, as close of a comparison you can get just because, I mean, it's only five, six years apart. But I don't know. This isn't the debate I wanted to talk about as much. I saw something on Twitter the next day or a couple of days after, and I'm not sure if Shaq posted this, but it had a picture of all-time Lakers, an all-time Lakers team versus an all-time Bulls team, and that's what I wanted to talk about most importantly. Now, I'm not quite sure exactly where I found this source, but I mean, after diving through the comments of this picture I saw, I mean, it kind of prompted me to want to talk about it on this platform. But I saw a picture of an all-time Lakers team versus an all-time Bulls team. And it was like, oh, this squad would win in four. And on the Lakers, you had Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Shaquille O'Neal. And on the other side for the Bulls, you had Derrick Rose, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, and Artis Gilmore. Now, just looking at the roster objectively, the Lakers is, I mean, really loaded to the point where it shouldn't even be comprised of those five people. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that LeBron James and Anthony Davis won't go down as all, well, LeBron already is an all-time great, and... Anthony Davis, if he continues to play at the pace he has been so far, he will be, you know, a top 10, 15, 20 player of his career. I mean, his ability to stretch the floor and play a crafty inside game is special, and a lot of big men don't have the ability to space out the floor and shoot a perimeter shot like he does. But all-time Laker greats? Um, LeBron hasn't accomplished anything there. I mean, he... They were the one seed in the West until the postponement or cancellation, whatever it's going to be, of the season. And, I mean, they were running away with it in the West. I mean, you had the Clippers and a few other teams up there with them. But, I mean, aside from the Clippers, they were pretty dominant throughout. I mean, even in their cross-conference play. But all-time great. I mean, LeBron has been there. I mean, if you consider the injury he had last season and the shortened season this season, I mean, he's been there a year. Anthony Davis has played 50 or 60 games there, maybe a little more. I don't follow the NBA all that closely, so it's not like I have every number right in front of me, and I really don't care to. But 
putting those two in that list of itself isn't really accurate. I don't consider them to be all-time Laker greats. I mean, if you consider the most physically capable and athletic players to put that jersey on, okay. But, I mean, if you think about the player Carl Malone was, why couldn't he be a power forward? He played a season or two with the Lakers as well. I don't think those two should even be considered for that argument. And Shaq, I mean, like I said, him being the most dominant player ever, I think, it's hard to not include Wilt Chamberlain and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in that list, too. So, I mean, I could see Shaq being on that list, depending on how you look at it. But the other two, I don't think so, no. I have no issues with the Bulls one. Derrick Rose, had he not had knees made of glass, would have been still probably one of the best point guards in the league. And now he's kind of just playing a journeyman's role because he couldn't stay healthy. I mean, he was like his super athletic Russell Westbrook when it came to scoring. I mean, Mr. Triple-Double, but, I mean, does fighting your teammates for a rebound really merit, you know, getting triple-doubles? I think those, a lot of the stats he put up in the three-year run from, what was it, 15 until this last season where he was traded to the Rockets, I don't think... I mean, if you watch, you kind of know how it goes. I mean, a lot of times, an assist can be selfish, and a rebound can be, you know, rebounding's rebounding. That's an effort stat, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem like. I feel like Derrick Rose could have been really, really, really something special, and that this roster selection um, goes to show that. Now, I read the comments, the trap. You know, you just go through and kind of pick everything on there. And I saw a lot of people just say that uh, it should be considered of anyone who laced up the uniform. And then I saw the other half that's like, bro, LeBron James shouldn't be on the all-time Lakers list. And I think that's right. I don't think he should even be included in there. But if you go a little deeper and look into, like, how that game would be played, assuming those five were... Well, let's back up a second. If you can't play those five people, it should definitely be like Elgin Baylor or James Worthy or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar subbed in for two of those three at any capacity, in my opinion. I, I don't consider those LeBron James and Anthony Davis to be uh, all-time Laker greats. That's a list that was posted. That's what I'm going to talk about, though. Now, if you look at the metrics of... You know, not the metrics, but if you look how the game would actually be played, like from a matchup setting, I'd say the Lakers would win this one based on the five guys you have on the floor. Um, I mean, it's not easy to guard a 6 9 lineup. I mean, Kobe Bryant's your shortest player at 6 6. I mean, Magic Johnson, 6 9. Anthony Davis is 7 footer. Just about LeBron's listed at 6'9", but, I mean, LeBron fans say gains an inch and grows 10 pounds every time they talk about him because they can't shut up about him. And uh, Shaq, I mean, everyone knows Shaq's 7 foot plus, 320 pounds plus, different eras of his career. But um, it'd be a matchup nightmare for sure, just looking back at uh, 
you know, how all those guys played. And it'd be a problem, but the Bulls could, you know, feasibly defend that. And what I'm talking about it for is because everyone was like, oh, this team would win in four games, no contest. Like, I don't think so. You could even match him up to the point where Derrick Rhodes would have to play defense on Magic or Kobe. That'd be his only chance. I mean, Magic, honestly, playing in the late 70s through the mid-90s would have been, like, athletic-wise, the best matchup you could do. I mean, he could play on Kobe, and then you'd put Michael on Magic. or A horse apiece there when it comes to defense. Um, Dennis Rodman would have to play defense on LeBron James or Anthony Davis. Scottie Pippen would have to play on either one. I mean, I'd say you could probably just go straight up with the position there, Scottie Pippen playing on LeBron James. They're pretty similar in size. LeBron James is way more athletic, of course. But, uh, I mean, I think they're both listed at 6'8", 6'9". Dennis Rodman would bully Anthony Davis out of the gym. They'd have to stretch the floor, thus making Shaq a little less effective. And Artis Gilmore, 7-2. I mean, that guy was no slouch. He played in the 70s and the 80s, but that guy put up numbers in the first 10 years of his career. He's a Hall of Famer. All these guys are Hall of Famers or will be Hall of Famers, with the exception of Derrick Rose, where I see he's a fringe guy. If, like, a voter on the – whoever votes for the inductees – considered the player Derrick Rose was from his rookie season up till his second, maybe even third, I don't even remember, ACL, MCL injury. I think that was 2015, 2014, 2015. But if you consider that, he could be a Hall of Famer. But anyways, Scottie Pippen could limit LeBron James from doing whatever he wanted where guys nowadays the emphasis on defense isn't there and LeBron gets away with just about anything he wants sorry it's true Scottie Pippen could play defense on LeBron James and Michael Jordan could play defense on LeBron James you have two of the best I mean Scottie Pippen's technically the front court playing forward but the guy could play two-way. I mean, he could play a guard spot. You have two, arguably, two of the best defenders of their time on that team. Michael Jordan was the last guy to win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. In fact, he might be the only person to have ever done that. It's never been done, minus by Michael Jordan. I think he might have even done it twice in 87 or 88. Now... That's well before his prime. I think he averaged like 37 a game, too. And the Bulls didn't really blossom into what they became in the 90s at that time. But those guys could play defense. And it's such an offensive, dominated game these days. And so many people that put their input on these these Twitter threads, like, oh, O'Brien, they could just do whatever they wanted. They can't guard them. It's like, yeah, they can. Those guys played both ends of the court. Now, I'm not trying to say LeBron can't play defense, but he doesn't play defense. That's something to consider, too. Now, see, when I attack this question, I don't think of it from a numbers perspective because that's what a lot of NBA Twitter people throw out there to show that they're woke on the game. 
oh, this guy averaged this many points and this many rebounds, this many assists. He shot this clip from three. Uh, his efficiency stat is through the roof. And like, you don't need to do that. It's really simple. It's the way their brains work and the way they compete. Michael Jordan is the most competitive person probably ever, ever. When Days before a game, he'd play 36 holes of golf, drink a 12-pack of beer, and go play that night and, you know, dunk on people's heads. The guy hated to lose a game of cards. It was absurd how competitive he was, not at just basketball or sports, but everything. The guy wanted to win. And it doesn't translate to him being an owner. I mean, the Hornets suck, but case in point. He's so competitive at everything, and sometimes those competitive guys aren't good coaches. Like, Michael Jordan would be a terrible coach. That's why he's never coached after. That intensity is just, you can't match that. Some people have that, that it factor, that gene inside them that wires cross, and it's like they turn into this psychotic machine that, like, it results or the only thing they care about. And Michael Jordan was like that. Kobe Bryant was like that too. That matchup at the two spot would be very competitive. Like that's what I'd want to see, MJ and Kobe. LeBron, I don't, I don't care about LeBron in this equation because, one, he shouldn't even be there. And, two, the guy plays it's t- such a different style of basketball. I think if the Lakers spread out the floor – they could win. Physically, Shaq is the only guy on that floor who can do anything, really. Magic Johnson was thin. He's tall. They played physical for that time. But I feel like Magic, so old, when it, you know, from most of the people playing on this team in their primes versus Magic in their prime were totally different. Shaq would get a ton of points. He, he'd have a fat line. I mean, he'd have 30, 30 and 15, 30 and 20. Artis Gilmore might too. I mean, he wasn't a slouch. I mean, it's hard to even attack questions like this just because it's so uncomparable, especially with Gilmore and Shaq, two guys that to- played in totally different eras of basketball. I mean, the 70s to the late 90s, early 2000s, it was totally different. Like, it's hard to even fathom what could happen based on the numbers they put up. And I see the fascination in the numbers on NBA Twitter and all the sources. But, like, yeah, to me, it's just Kobe is like a copycat, Michael. A damn good one. But I don't know. I think the talent with those five guys would win. But, like, the will to win on the other side would also be something to consider. I think it's a toss-up, honestly. I think it goes seven no matter what. And that seventh game is whoever wants to win it more. So I'm going to quit rambling on about basketball and wrap up the show. First and foremost, the 30 for 30 docuseries on ESPN, The Last Dance, will be covered every Tuesday. You'll get an episode about that. Um, got a few other things coming down the pipeline, so stay tuned and you can give me a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat, Jake Sawinski 8, J-A-K-E-S-A-W-I-N-S-K-I, Jake Sawinski 8.
and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Episode 3 of Jake's World, coming soon. Marco. Swear to God, I'm a stun so hard. Pull up on the lady, got him saying, oh, Lord. Ain't no thing, little homie, let's do it. Going hard in the paint, pad, you and Swear to God, I'm a stun so hard. Busy schedule to make the fifth star relaxing like a lazy neighbor.